This is the 9.30 a.m. worship service of October 16, 2022 at Eastern Avenue Christian Reformed Church. This morning, Reverend Jim Howardo will be preaching from Psalm 99 and from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. His sermon is titled, A Divine Appointment. Jen Willink and Corina Willink will be serving as our liturgists. We'll also be led in worship by uh, Reverend Bruce Ballast, Jim Breaker, Karen Helder, Josh Bernstein, Nancy Spoolstra, and the choir. Welcome to Eastern Avenue Church today. A special welcome to those of you who are joining us via live stream. We are beginning a series of worship services focusing on some of the passages we have been using in the past couple of years as we think and dream about the future of our church. I am the church, so are you. And so are billions of people around the world. More extraordinary than those incomprehensible numbers is the incomprehensible one who meets with the church today. Please rise and join me in joyfully singing that God is here.
We are called to worship today by verses from Ephesians 2. We are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. This marvelous, life-giving, church-building God is here today. As we gather in the body of God's beloved Son, God says, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God your Father and Jesus Christ your Lord through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The peace of Christ be with you all. This morning, as you pass God's peace to one another, take a moment to also share when you came to this congregation.
as we were thinking about this series of messages and um, uh, about the church, uh, we're looking at these passages that we've used for dwelling in the Word and thought, well, it'd be nice if we did a series of messages on those passages. But ringing in the back of my head, which is now a very old head, getting older all the time, was something, a song and a reading that goes back a long way. It's Bill and Gloria Gaither. And um, if you're probably uh, under 30, you probably don't even know the name. But they had a song called The Church Triumphant is Alive and Well. Now here, this will test your age. How many of you remember that song? Two of you. Thank you. <laughs> this will be interesting, to say the least. Anyway, it, we're going to sing it, whether you know it or not. So <laughs> you, you best join in. Um, I will uh, provide leading for this. But if you, uh, as you begin to catch on, we're going to sing just the one stanza. There are actually two, but the one stanza. And then we're going to hear this reading written by Gloria Gaither about the church and the fact that it's victorious in the world. And then we're going to sing this verse again. So by then, hopefully, you'll be singing with me. Let's stand and we'll sing the church triumphant. Let the church be the church. <clears throat> Let the church be the church. Let the church be the church. Let the people rejoice. For we settled the question. We made our choice. Let the anthem ring out. Songs of victory swell. had a people. Many a foolish conqueror has made the mistake of thinking that because he had forced the church of Jesus out of sight, he had stilled its voice and snuffed out its life. But God has always had a people. The powerful current of a rushing river is not diminished because it's forced to flow underground. Now the purest water is the stream that bursts crystal clear into the sunlight after it has forced its way through solid rock. There have been those who, like Simon the Magician, sought to barter on the open market that power which cannot be bought or sold, but God has always had a people. Men who could not be bought and women who were beyond purchase, God has always had a people. There have been times of affluence and prosperity when the church's message had been nearly diluted into oblivion by those who sought to make it socially attractive, neatly organized, financially profitable. But God has always had a people. Yes, it's been gold-plated, draped in purple, and encrusted with jewels. It's been misrepresented, ridiculed, lauded, and scorned. But God has always had a people. And these followers of Jesus Christ have been, according to the whim of the times, elevated sacred leaders and modern heretics. 
Yet through it all, their march is on that powerful army of the meek. God's chosen people who cannot be bought, blabbered, murdered, or stilled. On through the ages they march, the church, God's church triumphant. The church triumphant, let the church be the church. Your church has not been what you intended. We have not been what you called us to be. Yet you are here, and your dwelling place is all that we need to be. So come, Spirit, fill us anew. Give us a renewed passion for reaching out to our communities with the words and deeds of your gracious presence. Inspire us to love others as you have loved us. Amen. Children are supposed to come up, right? Those of you who are going to a children's worship. He looks, and someone's supposed to be leading them today, right? <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Okay, the, the service started this morning with a video of the song, I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. And I bet none of you know that song, do you? <laughs> none of you are willing to admit it. Well, we're going to create some motions for that song for a minute, okay? So you can stand up. And what would be a good motion for I am the church? Anybody? Okay, okay, I am the church. And then you are the church. That's an easy one. You're the church, right? We are the church together. What would be a good motion for that? We are the church together. Maybe doing this, holding our hands. And then all who follow Jesus all around the world. Yeah, okay, that's good. We are the church together. Now, we're going to sing that a couple times, and you can try the motions, all right? You, oh, wrong key. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. 
Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Okay, you did very good for the first time. We'll do it one more time. Thank you, congregation. How many of you knew that, or was it just so easy? Oh, there we go. Thank you. <clears throat> go. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. Very good. Okay, it's all yours, Kim. All right, makes my job easier since I already have them up here. Um, thank you for your concern last week. It turns out it takes more than mixing up the blessing to get fired from a volunteer position at church. So I'll keep you updated um, as to my stance. But in a very serious message, as we do talk about being the church, I do want to extend an honest invitation to any of you to come worship with us. There is no RSVP needed. If sitting on the floor is not your thing, we have chairs for you, but we really do take this very seriously in our intergenerational worship and what we do down there. So if you haven't been down in a couple of years, or if you've never been down before, we would like to warmly welcome you at any point on any given Sunday to come worship with us. Now that our blessing is very clear, children of God, right? Annika, you're going to help me on this one. Okay, children of God, what is your blessing for the people of God? The word of the Lord this morning is Psalm 99. It can be found on page 480 of your pew Bible, which is in the rack in front of you. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord is king. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Mighty king, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Extol the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called on his name. They cried to the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and, his, and the statutes that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Extol the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. 
This is the word of the Lord. It is uh, my joy to bring Luke 10, verses 1 through 12, to you this morning. Some of you may remember it. We spent a year and a half dwelling in it. It reached a point where you pleaded for a different passage to ponder. (laughs) And hopefully, like a mother giving birth... You've forgotten the pain, (laughs) or so I've heard, and are ready to labor again. Luke 10 is set in a section of Luke that begins at verse 51 of chapter 9. When the days drew near for him to be taken up. Now listen again. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. The timing and the atmosphere for our passage is Jesus approaching ascension. I never noticed that before. It's interesting. And it's revealing. Usually when the Gospels talk about Jesus going to Jerusalem, they will talk about his death and his resurrection. Even Luke, just a few verses before this, Luke 9, verse 22, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. But here... The setting that Luke gives is Jesus' ascension. Now, Jesus' ascension was a movement to a destination. Jesus didn't simply go up like a helium balloon. Jesus ascended to his throne. As the Apostles' Creed puts it, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Now, Philippians 2 speaks of this movement, Jesus' ascension, with these words. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, So that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that time, says Luke, is coming close. It's near. And it's the nearness of that time that forms the setting for our passage. 
After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals. And greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. This is the word of the Lord. There is this marvelous scene in the movie Goodwill Hunting in which the main character, Will Hunting, played by Matt Damon, begins to find himself. Will is a mathematical genius, a one of a kind, whose brilliance is buried under the trauma of childhood abuse. In order to stay out of jail, he agrees to attend counseling sessions with a therapist named Sean McGuire, played by Robin Williams. The movie focuses on the trust that they develop and on the freedom that each one of them finds through their relationship. But in the pivotal moment for Will... Sean is looking through a file detailing the abuse that he's experienced, complete with graphic pictures. And Will says, it ain't pretty. Sean closes the folder. He moves closer to Will. And says, well, I don't know much. But this stuff, I do know. This wasn't your fault. And Will shrugs it off. I know. No, listen to me, says Sean. It's not your fault. And Will shrugs it off again. 
I know. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. And now Wolf starts to get agitated as Sean repeats the line over and over. And after the sixth time, Will pushes him hard, and he says, Don't mess with me, Sean. Not you. And after the eighth time Sean says those words, Will looks like he's ready to hit him. But instead he hugs him. And he begins to weep. Ten times Sean repeated those words, it's not your fault. Ten times in order for the meaning to get past Will's defenses and touch that wounded spot in his spirit. The human ability to block things out is amazing. Amazing bordering on miraculous. People in recovery are fond of saying denial. It's not just a river in Egypt. They must have been from Chicago. There are realities that are too big to comprehend. They are too much to absorb. And as the song goes in the musical Hamilton, we push away what we can never understand. We push away the unimaginable. Whether it's negative or positive, we push away. The unimaginable. That amazing ability that we have has its limits. And the right word at the right time by the right person reintroduces us to reality. It's not your fault. And when that happens... It's a holy moment. And that might happen in our passage. Because there are words in our passage that are too big. They're too disturbing. Even though they're very good. And we do the only thing that we can to keep things the way they are. We shrink those words. We we make them smaller. We make them more manageable. We make them into words that fit into the way we currently do things. Our passage says twice, the kingdom of God has come near And those words are as disturbing as they are good because they shake things up. The Lord is king, read read Psalm 99, verse 1. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The earth quakes when... Tectonic plates shift 
and the earth quakes when the Lord sits on the Lord's throne. Oh, Jesus is sitting on his throne. And this changes everything. The life-saving, death-defeating, evil, obliterating rule of God is close. It's come near. And it is in this reality that we will find ourselves. And it's only when the good news of that reality penetrates our defenses that we know who we really are. Until we begin to understand those words, we are lost. Those words were Jesus' message. And bringing that message, a kingdom of God is near, is what Jesus came to do. It's how he understands his mission. Now, earlier in Luke, Jesus was in Capernaum, healing many, casting out demons. The crowds from the region flocked to him. In Luke 4, verse 42, we read, At daybreak, he departed and went into a deserted place. Jesus is exhausted from his healing. And the crowds were looking for him because there's always a need for more healing. And when they found him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also. For I was sent for this purpose. So he continued proclaiming the message to the synagogues of Judea. Jesus' message was that the kingdom of God has come near. And as Jesus spoke about the kingdom, he brought it into being. He inaugurated the kingdom. He did it with his life, with his death, with his resurrection and ascension, and, and he did it with his words. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has come near. How close? Well, as close as the words of the king. The person who accepts the message enters the kingdom. And the person who rejects or deflects or ignores the message remains outside the kingdom. How many times do you think that we will need to hear these words before they get past our defenses? What does it take for us to open our minds and our lives to the life-changing importance of the kingdom of God and its nearness? 
It's often in our lowest times, our times of suffering, our times of sin, that we're ready to receive this message of the kingdom. And while it's often in our lowest times, the message always is carried by the Spirit. Past our well-developed defenses to the tender places that are crying out for God's love and God's power. So what do we do? We pray. And we keep listening. The father says, listen to me, child. The kingdom of God is near. I know. I'm reformed. I know. Kingdom of God. No, no, listen to me. My kingdom is near. I know. Look closely. Look at yourself. Look at the church. Look at your world. Listen. My kingdom is near. We cannot get into this reality by ourselves. We're not going to think our way into it. But with each other, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to grasp it. Paul wanted the people in Ephesus to grasp this truth. And so we read in Ephesians, his prayer, I pray that you may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth I want you to know how big and how all-encompassing the rule of God is. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The nearness of God's kingdom is half of the big news in Luke 10. As big as it is, it's just half of the big news. The other half is that Jesus entrusts this message to 70 others. Luke 10, verse 1, tells us that he appointed 70 others, told them what to do, and say, whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. How close? Well, as close as the one appointed by Jesus. And the words that appointed one is speaking. With the appointment of the 70, Jesus not only gave them his words, he gave them his authority to make it happen. 
And in those words from the appointed 70, the kingdom of God has come near. And that is why they can convey the peace of the kingdom, the shalom, to those who would receive it. There's instructions in Luke 10 about, about giving peace. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Now, peace was an ordinary greeting. It was their hello. But all this instruction about doing it would be unnecessary if all that was meant was hello. Now, Jesus is empowering and authorizing them to give the peace of the kingdom of God to the people that they encounter. And they can give that peace because they've been appointed and they've been authorized and they've been empowered to bring the kingdom of God close to those who hear them. As we dwelt in this passage, as we read it again and again, different themes kept coming up. Themes about how these 70 carried out their appointment. We often commented on their vulnerability. They have this extraordinary mission, this extraordinary task of communicating the nearness of the kingdom, this powerful message, and they are so vulnerable. I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves, says Jesus. They are not operating as people in control of the situation. The message of the kingdom does not give them control. They move about in weakness. And in their weakness, they don't even have the ordinary necessities of travel. Because as they're going, Jesus says, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals. They are vulnerable. And as we read the passage, we commented on the relationships in this passage. They went out two by two, these 70, and how good it was to go out with another. To go out with another because of this vulnerability, but also to go out with another because of the testimony. And it was the testimony of two in this society that validated the word. So we're going out two by two. It's emphasizing the word that they are bringing. And the relationships continued with the relationships they had with the people that they encountered in these towns. They brought the kingdom by curing the sick, yes, but also by eating and drinking and remaining in the house 
for their entire time in that town. Their relationship to each other and to the people that they met were so important. And we also notice just what an adventure this was for these 70. Interesting thing about their adventure, the adventure of the 70. One chapter before, the 12 disciples are sent on the same mission, given almost identical instructions. Only Luke has this double sending. And as I said at the beginning, Luke sets this sending in the light of Jesus' ascension. Luke seems to be alluding to the mission of the church through the mission given to the 70. He seems to be talking about how the church is appointed to represent the ascended Lord and his kingdom. Now, while we were studying this passage, we were also studying and talking about our life together as a church. Where are we now? We asked for months. And where is God calling us to go? We asked. We listened. There were a lot of responses, wonderful responses, about where we are and about where we're going. And we we boiled that down into three movements that we thought God was calling us to make as a church. Three movements that fit this time in our life together. The first movement was an emphasis on new frontiers. God's not calling us to go back. God's not calling us to reclaim the old days or past glories. No, no God's calling us to something new, to, to a frontier, to exploration. So we want to balance nostalgia with frontier, the memories of the past with a straining to see what lies ahead. And the way to balance it was to emphasize new frontiers. And we said, we need to emphasize relationships in our church. Our programs are important, but we don't want to be investing our energies just to keep programs going. It's the relationships that we experience in our programs. That's, that's what's meaningful and important for us. So we need to emphasize our relationships with each other in going forward. And we said, we want to emphasize our vulnerability 
our vulnerability as human beings. We don't have it all together, much as we want to appear otherwise. We want to be real in our worship, in our relationships. So we're going to emphasize our vulnerability. This was how we, as a church and as a vision team, believe God's calling us to deal with his appointment of us. Our passage shows us one way that believers carried out their appointment. And the the question for us has been, how do we carry out that appointment today? It's probably not by going to Rockford or Kalamazoo and doing what the people in this passage did. But what is it for us? What would that look like? And so we've come up with the following tentative statement of what God is calling us to be and do as we go forward. Moving with the Spirit in the messy and holy work of building community, nurturing faith, seeking justice with our neighbors. Building community with our neighbors, nurturing faith with our neighbors, seeking justice with our neighbors, with our neighbors qualifies all of it. Oh, there's adventure in this statement. Moving with the Spirit. Where's the Spirit going to take us? Will we follow where the Spirit wants us to go? And there's vulnerability here. In the messy and holy work. And it's full of relationships. Building community with our neighbors. This is not an ending statement. It's a beginning point. And we want to sit with this vision statement. And we want to work with it to continue discovering, is this what God is appointing us to do at this time? One of the interesting things about looking at our metaphors and our vision statement and going back and reading Luke 10 is to see how that passage has shaped us. All that time we spent dwelling in the Word, sometimes happily, sometimes not so happily, the Word was dwelling in us, shaping our perceptions of ourselves, 
shaping our perspectives on who God's calling us to be. Believers have been given a divine appointment. An appointment that comes from God and an appointment that is utterly sublime in its importance. A divine appointment to represent Jesus and inaugurate God's kingdom. May the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ lead us and guide us in bringing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Us <laughs> bringing the kingdom of God near. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, we want to move with you. At least we think we do. We need your help in preparing us. Would you speak your word and bring your word to those places in our life together? that most need to hear it. Would you slip your word past our defenses, past our long-established ways of neutralizing this powerful, beautiful, disturbing word? Would you help us find ourselves in the splendor of your approaching salvation. Would you show us and then give us the courage to follow? In Jesus' name, amen. Our song of response, Spirit of God unleashed on earth.
Let's come together before our God in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that we can be here today in your presence to share with you parts of our lives that we care about deeply. We thank you today for our families and friends, for our church members, our friends here, our church staff and missionaries, and the ministries at Eastern. Thank you for gifted and willing volunteers, leaders, and wise and kind members who help to bring God's kingdom to this place. Thank you for our neighbors around Eastern who we may serve and who serve us through their gifts and their presence among us. And we pray for those among us who are afraid, who are grieving both recent and more distant losses. Sometimes they last a really long time. For those who need emotional healing, we pray. For those who need physical healing. And for those who need spiritual healing. We pray together this morning for Phil and Marie, who continue to faithfully walk the long path of healing. Please be with them and encourage them. We pray for Carol's daily walk toward health. Please be with her and wrap your arms of love around her in a strong and solid way. We pray for Lara and Ted as Lara struggles with health issues. Please guide them in these days. We pray for Ruth in her long journey toward health and healing. And for Pete, our encourager, even though he's physically not present with us in this building, we pray for him. We pray for Denny as he travels to serve in Kenya. Please bless him in the work that he does and the people that he is working with. Please bring your word in a mighty way to that country. We pray for Jan as she celebrates a significant birthday today. And Lord, we pray today especially for the children and teens of our church and neighborhood. May we love them well, serve them well, and encourage them along a path of experiencing themselves as deeply beloved children of God. Lord, we hear daily of wars, floods, drought, food shortages, unsafe water, climate change, and people suffering deeply because of all this. We pray for refugees who seek a safe place to call home. Please help your people to make a difference, whether through elected officials, non-governmental agencies, local service organizations, through Eastern, through us as individuals, May justice in our world grow and deepen. Please teach us how to be your faithful people on this earth. Lord, please help us to truly be and become an inclusive and growing community of lifelong disciples because we love Jesus our Lord and we want to serve him faithfully. Amen.
Hello? So just one or two quick announcements for you this morning. Um, just a reminder for anyone who may be visiting, whether it's your first um, time visiting or you've been attending for a while, um, in the pews right um, next to the Bible and um, Psalter Hymnal, we've got these little um, connect cards. If you're interested in um, getting on the email list or just learning more about what we've got going on or finding a way to be more deeply involved with the church, we encourage you to fill this out and you can drop it in the, um, the offering uh, plates on the way out. And then uh, one other announcement. Um, if you have not yet joined, um, just a couple of photos from our most recent community club, which is the intergenerational gatherings we're having, I believe, once a month. Um, this one just happened a couple of days ago. Um, just wanted to let everybody know that they've been a lot of fun. We encourage you to join us. The next one will be sometime in November. You can stay tuned to your um, e-announcements to figure out when. But um, they are just a time to gather um, and enjoy some fellowship and food uh, I believe on Wednesday night. So this last one was hosted by the choir who made dinner and cleaned up. So thank you very much to the choir. With that, our special offering cause for the week is the Christian Education Fund, um, which is a, a fund here meant to support um, those um, in Christian education throughout um, Eastern. Uh, for those that may be new to us, the offering plates are on the exits on the way out um, if you have uh, an offering to give. Let's pray. Dear Lord, for the blessings of these gifts in all our days, we thank you. Accept, we pray, not just this money, but also our lives freely, offered in gratitude for all that you've done for us. Use them both in this place and wherever you may take us. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's presence upon you and give you peace. Amen.